This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 344 of the Yellow Wall Pods. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about how Dortmund took the lead in the Champions League Group F and we will preview the Bundesliga Topspiel, second weather's first, Dortmund against Bayern. For all that and more joins me Matthias Suk. Once again, hello Matthias, how are you doing? Hello Stefan, well I had some coffee so I'm awake now, um, <laughs> but no, things things are going well, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very glad that you actually cannot hear my eyebags on this podcast because uh, we have been up a couple too many nights trying to uh, figure out who is going to be the next president of the United States like uh, many other people, even though it was uh, very clear that uh, you could... Uh, go to bed on election night because uh, there were not going to be any results but uh, yeah anxiously awaiting but um, the the good news is um, that if if we don't like the scoreline after the Bayern game I've already called Rudy Giuliani because he is uh, in Philadelphia right now and he's gonna he's gonna fix that for us sorry I, I have a brief announcement to make um, I believe Dortmund have won the Bundesliga. In my <laughs> eyes, I think we've already won and we should just stop all games now. Yeah. Stop like, counting the goals. Like, like I said, uh, Rudy will tuck it away for us, the results. So um, I'm very confident that uh, we have won and we will win. And by the time everything is counted, we will be on top. And also we're going to stop counting. Anyway, so uh, yeah, <laughs> like I said, um, after opening away to Lazio and uh, burning... 3 to 1 there. Uh Dortmund now are back uh, on top in group F, have 6 points to their name and uh, Brügge and uh, Lazio are behind. Lazio have 5 points, Bruges or Brügge have 4 and obviously Russian champion Zenit St. Petersburg have only 1 point to their name right now. So Matthias uh, from the Champions League perspective, this uh, reads rather well especially considering that uh, the away game in Rome was probably the toughest fixture of the six group matches. Um, what do you make of this 3-0 win where Dortmund took care of business rather sooner than later? Well, it was it was nice to see yet another set-piece goal. Uh, I think that's just a theme we keep carrying on. Uh, it was great to see, uh, and I'm just focusing on the first half now because I literally almost fell asleep in the second half. <laughs> um, but it's great to see uh, Mahmoud Tahoud playing. I'll, I'll be honest, he's playing great right now. And and the assist he gave for Haaland's third goal, obviously, or the pre-assist, the hockey assist, um, that went to Meunier and then over to Haaland. Was, that pass was amazing. It was fantastic. So all praise Mahmoud Tahoud, the savior of Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> Um, but as far as the way the group is playing, I mean, you can you can kind of tell. I mean, it, it's frustrating that Dortmund laid the egg they did in Rome because this Lazio side, in my opinion, isn't that great. Um, so 
it's frustrating, but given the way the results have gone now for Lazio with the draws against Brugge and St. Petersburg, you know, things are things are looking good for Dortmund. Dortmund are clearly in the driver's seat right now. And uh, getting the, the win against Brugge relieved some of the pressure, for now at least. Yeah, I mean, if Dortmund uh, win the next two home games against Brugge and uh, Lazio, I think this is pretty much in the back now because then they have 12 points. And uh, I don't know the arithmetics too well yet, but I think that Dortmund can probably uh, close it out with the next two wins. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's 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 going well. I don't think anyone really doubted that Dortmund was going to prevail at least in the top two bracket, but obviously you do want to have the top spots, especially in that group where I think Dortmund were always favorites. And it's kind of nice after all these years where Dortmund had to play Real Madrid and Barcelona uh, and so on and so forth um, that this is finally an easy group for the Black and Yellows and they can uh, sort of well, I don't know, close to the number one spot. I don't know if that's the right word, but at least, uh, you know, take things a little easier, if that makes sense. I mean, the uh, 3-0 win in Bruges was uh, pretty cool in the sense that uh, we had the f the earliest goal since the German Cup, uh, where Dortmund scored in the 14th minute, as you said, the uh, set-piece goal. Uh, Hazard with a very nice shot um, and... Uh, yeah, then obviously Arling Haaland with the brace since he is especially unstoppable in the Champions League. He has now scored 14 goals in 11 Champions League games in his uh, still very young career. And uh, he has scored in every Champions League game he has played in. So, um, yeah, quite magnificent for a 20-year-old. <laughs> um, Matthias, but before we talk about Haaland's uh, achievements any further... Um, Let's talk a little bit about um, the uh, backline because Axel Witzel was uh, starting as a centre-back. Uh, when I saw the lineup sheet, I had Delaney as the uh, centre-back next to Manuel Kanji, yet I was wrong. I think uh, you're not alone in that. Uh, when I saw the team sheet come out and then, you know, the graphics, I'm like, no, they got that wrong. Look at those idiots, <laughs> Delaney and Witzel. That's a totally different position. And then they lined up and played and went, ah, oh, crap. Um, but it it worked out. He actually didn't perform that badly. I was surprised. I'll be honest. I was surprised. Um, I don't think Witzel is a, an option at center back for the long run, but in occasional matches like this against a side that, yes, Club Brugge had a few opportunities, but not that many. Uh, their undoing wasn't their attack. Let's put it that way. Um, I, it worked out. Um, I felt that Akanji worked a little bit more, which makes sense because he is the natural backline leader again now that Hummels is out right now. And obviously, he's the only trained central defender left in the squad um, that can actually play. So I was shocked by it because I think we floated that on an episode a few weeks ago and we were all like, ha ha ha, no. And uh, I thought he did pretty well, actually. I can't think of many big mistakes. Um there wasn't much many options for him to pass it backwards in the first half, so that was a little different for him. Um, but <laughs> overall, I thought Fitzel did a pretty good job. 
<laughs> a little passive aggressiveness. <laughs> um, no, it's not passive aggressiveness. <laughs> just it's good natured ribbing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Any anywho, I I think yeah they did rather well. I, I would say defensively they looked a little um, concerning in the beginning when Bruges had a couple of crosses into the box, where I think uh, Hazard, for example, had 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 the shot to block and uh, there. There was a, there were a couple of saves that uh, Roman Bürki had to make in this game. So um, uh, as as predicted, uh, Brugge was always going to be um, a bit of a more uh, attacking test for Dortmund's defense than uh, the previous three games. And uh, I think Dortmund they're quite okay with it. I mean, Club uh, Bruges, and I'm just gonna alternate between Bruges and Brugge, <laughs> uh, have the expected goals of uh, one point. Two and uh, they had a similar amount of shots as Dortmund. They both had 12 shots. Uh, Bruges had four on target to Dortmund, six on target. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the attacking output from Bruges was pretty okay. Um, I mean, they had a couple of good counterattacks. Uh, they have obviously some pace up front. Um, and uh, I thought Emmanuel Dennis had a good game, even though he didn't score. But uh, from the runs he made uh, against Dortmund's backline and, um, you know, sometimes drifting out wide. I think that sort of had tee up a couple of attacks for, for the Belgium side. So um, from from that standpoint, I don't think they could be too unhappy. And as, as you said, uh, Bruges, then in the end, more problems with uh, their defensive uh, prowess, which was kind of always obvious since Dortmund have all this uh, attacking prowess and since Bruges do not have I don't I don't think they really have it in them to play this ultra defensive as we've seen of uh, Lazio at at, at uh, many stages over that game and uh, Zenit of course I mean I I think they they can play a ultra defensive low block but I don't think it's going to be as successful is, is what I'm trying to say I think pretty much every team can do it but uh, you know, with uh, varying success. So, um, yeah, and obviously for Dortmund, um, a very positive game where they um, managed to evade the opponent's pressing quite well. I think their ball circulation and their recycling of possession was uh, pretty good. And uh, once again, obviously a shout out to Mahmoud Dahoud because I think when Dortmund are in possession that he gives this uh, Dortmund team a lot of groove right now that he uh, manages to... Uh, distribute the ball quite well, very intelligently, and uh, obviously keeps the pace up. Um, so apart from the the really magnificent pass, which I think was it the three 0 in the end, or was it the two 0 I don't exactly. It was the three. Yeah. So um, that that was obviously uh, a dream pass, and and just a very nice run from Unier too. Um, but also a little bit at fault here are Bruges because when they are going to analyze this, uh, you need to put some pressure on Dahoud in this situation. So um, I, I feel like other teams in the future will maybe not give Dahoud, I don't know, half a minute to pick out a pass, you know, sort of wait for your teammate to make the run and then, you know, fake the pass and then go through with it, you know, because he had a little flinch first. So to time it right, and uh, yeah, Bruce just didn't put any pressure on him at all. So um, yeah, that's that's room for improvement for the Belgium side, obviously. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very happy, and of course, as you already said, uh, Manuel Kanji, I think right now deserves heck a lot of praise just because uh, 
you know, he obviously is not flawless, hardly any defenders. And I think very early in the beginning, he sort of missed the ball and it could have gotten a little hairy. But um, apart from that, I think right now he is really uh, back in full stride. Uh, maybe his hip injury isn't really bothering him anymore. I'm not entirely sure uh, if it's if it's just, uh, you know, a patch of good form or uh, something that we can expect more permanently. I hope so. But uh, right now he is playing with a lot of confidence and uh, has his physical prowess very intelligently, uh, likes to go for the ball. All these attributes that you would expect from a Dortmund centre-back, he's pretty much fulfilling right now. And uh, what obviously helps, and that is, I think, something that Lucien Favre also credited, is that the entire team right now is doing a very good job defensively. I mean, uh, we have talked about the eight clean sheets now that Dortmund have, you know, four on the bounce out of 11 games. Um, that is also down to players like Haaland defending, players like Reyna and Hazard or, or Sancho even, who uh, is, I think, maturing a little bit more in that department that he's running back more now than maybe even like the same time last season. So um, collectively, I think Dortmund are doing a, a really terrific job to uh, defend. And I think that really uh, makes it life much easier for Manuel Akanji or now, of course, uh, Axel Witzel, who had to slot in and I think did quite well. Anything to add? <laughs> Well, no, I mean, that's that's something that um, has been talked about now recently is just Dortmund's defensive stability. I, you know, I expected Brugge to to make life difficult for Dortmund at times. Uh, they do like to attack. They showed that. They were just very naive defensively. I mean, their, their central defenders far, were far too often, far too positioned, far too... Far apart. <laughs> Too many fars say, how there. Many, how many farts are you going <laughs> to say? <laughs> so, um, and, and obviously when you have players that can play the types of passes Dortmund can, that have the on-the-ball, off-the-ball movement, especially a Holland, you're just asking for trouble. And um, I, I wasn't worried about Dortmund winning it. I didn't expect a clean sheet. Um, and then, of course, the second half happened, and I mean, Dortmund, I mean, they really toned, turned it down. Uh, Brugge had a few shots, but no major chances. And Brugge started tiring as well. And it's just kind of, it's like the game is just like, all right, well, let's just get this over with. That's that's the feeling I got. And maybe that's also because I was half asleep. Um, but uh, the level of excitement in the second half uh, wasn't quite that high. No, which I think is a good thing right now. I don't need to be thrilled. Let's say I, I want uh, this team to get the results they need and uh, uh, take care of business. I mean, like like I said, it's, I think, seven games within 22 days. This is not the time where you need to uh, blow out Bruges, I don't know, 8 nothing, 9 nothing, just uh, for the fun of it. Uh, I, th I think it's actually quite smart to tone things down and, and pass the ball around a little bit. I mean, Dortmund obviously had a couple more chances uh, on, on the break and and didn't really do as well as they could have. I mean, this this is almost a given uh, for this Dortmund team that uh, there will always be a couple of opportunities that go begging where they just uh, have a, you know, mistimed pass or something. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not a game where I would find too many criticisms to be honest 
And uh, I think that sets Dortmund also up perfectly for the game against Bayern because, uh, you know, you took care of things after 32 minutes when you were 3-0 up and uh, Lucien Favre got to rotate a little bit. I think, um, you know, this is maybe the one thing that that he could have done better because I think the first substitution was uh, Julian Brandt for Marco Reus in the 72nd minute. Uh, I actually would have taken off Haaland probably around after 60 minutes by the latest. And uh, Bellingham, Bellingham came on for Delaney. And then uh, in the 70th, 77th minute, we had Pasla coming on for Reina and Hanye and uh, Matteo Morey, who then made his Champions League debut. But it was pretty much a garbage time then and uh, not too many things to take away from, from these uh, final minutes, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I think this is maybe the only criticism I would put, like, lay at Favre's feet that he could have put the trigger a little sooner on, on those substitutions. But, uh, you know, otherwise a fairly good night for the Black and Yellows. And I think with that, we can move on to the game against Bayern Munich. We should start uh, with a very simple question. Matthias, who of the Bayern team has the uh, most punchable face? I It's hard to not pick Kimmich <laughs> at this point. Um uh, you know, I, I'd say it's it's usually a toss-up between Kimmich and Müller, and maybe a little bit Lewandowski, but it it's tends to be Kimmich. Müller's just you just want to punch him sometimes, but Kimmich has that punchable face. <laughs> um, and what makes it more frustrating is that he's also an extraordinarily good player. Um, but uh, no, it it would be Kimmich for me, yeah, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. You you just want to whack this guy as, as soon as you see him. Uh, all angry and fired up over nothing, basically. But uh, yeah, this has pretty much uh, uh, been the guy that's been the the biggest thorn in Dortmund's sides in in the recent games. I mean, he got the uh, one nil goal uh, that I don't want to say decided the title race last season, but um, you know, was obviously a big blow for Dortmund. And then he also uh, grabbed the winner in the Super Cup. Um, but I think. Um, if we talk about punchable faces, um, <laughs> obviously I'm not just here to demean Bayern players, not just. Um, uh, I think if we would ask the same question, uh, you know, a Bayern fan or a Schalke fan, I think they would straightforwardly uh, talk about Erlang Haaland because, uh, you know, I can see how <laughs> his face looks a little punchable from the other side. And uh, I think this is a, a very good thing um, when I see, um, you know, Schalke Twitter or so uh, after five minutes of him playing in Derby or so, you know, vent about him and how much they hate him. Um, I think going into this game, uh, he is a very good asset to have and uh, someone who will, like Kimmich, fight like hell in this game and uh, bring that grit and determination and I think we've already seen it in the Super Cup that uh, his his presence can really help. And so I'm I'm very looking forward to to him again uh, now with with a bit more time pass and a bit more ability to gel with the rest of this team uh, to see what he can do against this Bayern side, which is obviously um, flying high. They are top of the table, level on points with Dortmund. They just uh, thumped FC Salzburg six to two away they only have one loss uh in the Bundesliga so far against Hoffenheim a 4-1 loss but 
um, even though they are the highest ranked team in the 538 soccer power index and whatnot, I still think they are there for the taking if Dortmund have a good game. And uh, so, um, yeah, let's just uh, hear real quick what Haaland had to say after the Bruges game ahead of the Bayern game. Oh, we have to go out and attack the match and um, and keep on doing that we did uh, in periods uh, against them in the Super Cup. And uh, yeah, we have to go out and play and uh, be brave and uh, I think it will be an interesting game. Haaland basically also alluded to the Super Cup. Do you think this is uh, the the blueprint that Dortmund will try to apply and where they will not maybe just uh, try to uh, fight for it once they're two goals down, but maybe from the get-go? Well, you'll have to, have to do it from the get-go. I mean, Dortmund have now proven that trying to play passively against Bayern uh, will only lead to a Bayern victory. Uh, there's there's not a draw. You're not drawing against this buy-on side if you decide to play passively. And the problem is you're not playing to your own strengths. And that's what you have to focus on. Um, if you press buy-on, if you then... All, I mean, yes, you also have to play with very few mistakes. Um, but if you, if you do those things then you can definitely beat them. It's not a case where I say don't want to have to have a brilliant game, Bayern have to have a bad game to beat Bayern. No, I think if Bayern play the way Bayern play and Dortmund play as well as Dortmund is capable, then absolutely Dortmund have a chance of winning this game. Um, I don't think they're going to blow them away, but I do think they can score goals and I do think they can get points off Bayern if they don't play chicken shit football, uh, which they have absolutely done in the past. If they come out with that type of mentality in the first half, I don't know if they're going to be able to switch it around in the second half like they did in the Super Cup where, you know, the pressure isn't really that high. So uh, I would like to see a more consistent level of pressing and pressure. I don't think you can do it for all 90 minutes. I think you just can't physically maintain it. But beyond that, you know, mix and match a little bit to just switch up the tempo is something that'll definitely help. If you're pushing too high, Bayern will kill you on the counterattack eventually. I mean, all it takes is Manuel Neuer, who's one of the best goalkeeping distributors of the ball, to launch it forward, and then you've got such immense pace up there uh, with guys like uh, Leroy Sané or Serge Gnabry that you're, or uh, Kingsley Coman, you're just asking for trouble at that point. So I think more of second-half Super Cup and less of first half, but I don't think you can just go all out press. I, you're just asking for trouble then. Yeah, I mean, if we take the uh, one loss at the Westfalenstadion from last season, um, that was a game which I thought was a bit cagey because Bayern were also not all out pressing as they so often are. I think they were a bit more careful because uh, obviously when Bayern go to the Westfalenstadion, they respect this tie a little bit more and Dortmund's home advantage is certainly uh, telling. I think they won the last two out of the last three at home. So um, this is obviously a stat that should give Dortmund fans a lot of hope. And um, so I don't think that Dortmund need to press Bayern for uh, the entire game. But uh, I think this Bayern team can be forced into mistakes and Dortmund have shown this season that... Uh, if the opponent messes up and there's a transition moment and they can counter that they are very ruthless and very lethal. So um, I think this is why uh, Mahmoud Dahoud right now is probably one of my first names on the team sheet just because of his 
pressing capability and the way he can uh, sort of uh, accelerate these kinds of situations. So, um, yeah, I mean, Dahoud has started again before against Bayern and uh, hasn't looked all that great. But uh, right now, in this particular form, I think uh, it's it's a no-brainer. Um, but the question is obviously um, in this midfield battle where you will face Kimmich and Goretzka, um, who will pair up with him? Is it going to be Witzel? Is it going to be Bellingham? And is it or or is it going to be De, uh, Delaney? And obviously that that question will also answer maybe in part by uh, the the fact whether Mats Hummels can play or not. So um, Matthias, who would you pick for for that particular midfield battle, which will probably be uh, as as so often the case in these games, very deciding. Well, I think you kind of have to go with Delaney and Dahoud if you look at form and what you're looking for in that position. I wouldn't want to play Bennett Bellingham in that. I I just think like you're asking for trouble at this point. Axel Witzel, he's played against Bayern a few times. He's underwhelmed against Bayern every single time. Um, I just feel like you have to go with the form players, and those are Delaney and Dahoud. It's weird to say that sentence out loud, um, but that's that's who... I believe you need to go with at this point. And given the five substitutions, you can always switch it up. Uh, if you notice that someone's getting overrun, I mean, take them off after 20 minutes if you need to. You've got plenty of subs. Uh, but I would go with Delaney and Dahoud to start with. Yeah, I I agree. You know, this is this is probably where Dortmund needs uh, also that, that ball-winning capability because, uh, like I said, Bayern need to be forced into mistakes and uh, you need that aggression. And I think, especially with Julian Brandt, who I expect to start uh, as a number ten, I think Favre will stick to the four-two-three-one. Um, you you need you need uh, that hard-working energy. Obviously, I don't I don't know if, if Favre goes down the other road and then starts with Royce. Who knows? But um, I would actually save Royce for the last half hour or so because um, with Royce's pressing and if the game is still tight, then. He can also excel exactly in that department. Um, the only thing that's that's a bit annoying to me is that Haaland will have to play the full 90 minutes uh, on on this high energy uh, game because Dortmund don't really have a replacement for him. And taking him off, as the Super Cup has shown, uh, is sort of also you know stopping your entire attack because a lot of Dortmund's attacking football hinges on him. And uh, what I find very interesting is that Dortmund players in post-game interviews, when they are asked about Haaland, that they always, always highlight his, uh, you know, back-to-goal hold-up play uh, that he has right now. And I think Torgen Hazard highlighted it after the Bruges game, where he said that it's very important, especially to start and um, especially against this Bayern side. This will be absolutely crucial, and I really hope that Haaland can. Uh, like Lewandowski will very likely do on the other side, hold the ball for several uh, seconds. And I think that could eradicate a lot of uh, Bayern dominance when when you can uh, avoid them cutting you off right away. Um, then Bayern can uh, be teased a little. And Dortmund, I think right now, are very good at recycling possession. Whether you sort of keep the ball for a bit longer or uh, you... Um, try to attack quickly. I think Dortmund have the uh, mojo right now where um, 
things are clicking. Obviously, it's always a bit of a different thing to play against Bayern than to play against the uh, teams that Dortmund have played in the previous four games. But um, I think this team is ready to play on, on the high level, which obviously they still have to show. But uh, that's at least my expectation. Now, obviously, a lot also hinges on whether Mats Hummels is fit or not. Um, he tweeted, uh, I think, on Wednesday in jest on Tuesday that he won't make the Bruges game, but he is also not fast enough uh, for hamstring injury and thus uh, he could make it. I think it's a game time decision at this stage. Um, I also, you know, if you have five substitutions, you might risk it and say, okay, if it doesn't work, you play 20 minutes and we'll put someone else in, um, which is obviously not ideal, but uh, Hummels is very important player and he has been playing on a world-class level for the last months so um missing him would obviously be a, a massive blow um matthias how do you think uh the dynamic changes with or without homers well it's a completely different side uh as far as confidence goes from the back I think if Hummels is playing, Bayern will be reticent to press too high too often just because of Hummels' defense-splitting passes that he can play. And given the pace of Dortmund's attackers, that that's a clear threat. If Hummels isn't playing, if I was Hansi Flick, I would press the ever-living crap out of Dortmund's backline at that point because you don't have a Hummels that can play that pass. Yeah, there may be a lucky punch type um, pass occasionally from Akanji, but other than that, I mean, Witzel isn't going to do it. Delaney's not going to do it. Pischek wouldn't do it. So it completely changes the way that Bayern will play against Dortmund, in my opinion, with or without Mats Hummels. And of course, it'll change the confidence. I think if they press a makeshift center-back pairing where only one guy is a true center-back, um, it'll just it'll shake the confidence of the entire back line, including the keeper, and that's when mistakes will happen. So... Hummels is crucial. If Hummels plays, I think Dortmund have every chance of winning it. If Hummels doesn't play, I'll be perfectly honest, I don't think Dortmund have any chance in winning this game. Yeah, I think this is probably a very honest assessment, um, just because uh, he is making Dortmund so much better. Now that we build him up so much, he's probably making a crucial mistake or whatever, but um, no, in all honesty, uh, I, I believe the same. That being said, um, if Dortmund pull out a draw, this is already a good result against this Bayern team who really has played on such a high level the entire time. Um, now, obviously, I expect them to obviously play with Neuer in goal and then have Boateng and Alaba uh, as a central defense pairing. I mean, Zule had another, like Serge Gnabry had a false positive COVID test, so he'll be available. I don't know if he'll play or not. Um, Pava and Hernandez will probably... Um, make the fullback positions just because uh, and Alfonso Davis is uh, still out injured. Um, there were a couple of question marks behind uh, uh, Goretzka, but uh, I think he is fine. He is trained. And obviously then uh, they have uh, Kimmich next to him. And then really the, the question is, um, do you play Gnabry? Do you play Zane? Do you play Coman? And obviously Müller and Lewandowski are also, also set. So the Bayern team is is pretty, uh, yeah, they they have gelled quite a bit under Hansi Flick, and uh, usually they play with a very high line. And uh, many teams 
including Spartak Moscow recently and obviously uh, um, FC Salzburg have shown that you can can really hurt them on the counter attack. So um, yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued how Bayern will approach this game, whether they will press Dortmund higher or not, or whether they will play more on the careful side than they did uh, in 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 the last Bundesliga match. So yeah, it's it's going to be also very interesting, Matthias. Uh, the level of fatigue after this haul of games. Um, who still has more fitness and fresher legs and fresher minds? I think that will make a big difference because the Super Cup match was very chaotic already, and uh, you could see Bayern's fatigue here and there a little bit. And Dortmund obviously had some too. But I think um, that uh, that circumstance actually heightens Dortmund's chances to win this little. What What do you think? Because I think if both teams are super fresh playing against each other. Don't uh, Bayern have the edge because they're athletically a bit fitter? Yeah, um, you know, I mean, Bayern have an extra day rest. Can't forget that. Um, I think that at this point does make a difference, uh, especially given the way they like to play. They need the extra day rest over Dortmund, who then went a little bit more conservative or a lot more conservative in the second half against Brugge and really didn't. Ex overexert themselves in the previous matches too much. Um, you know, Bielefeld and Schalke, and they were kind of just walks in the park to a degree. So I think it actually plays in Dortmund's favor in that sense that they didn't have to exert themselves to get these very crucial results. So the extra day rest for Bayern, yeah, that's great. You'd rather have it than not have it. Um, I, I, at this point, I don't see a huge physical advantage, more just a personnel advantage, because of course, Bayern have more options in central defense, whereas Dortmund really have none. Um, that, that I just can't get past that lineup decision there. Yeah. It's, it's really a shame that Thomas picked up this pull or knock or whatever it was to his, uh, hamstring during the Bielefeld game that, that really feels unnecessary and obviously could uh, sway things in a very bad way for Dortmund. Um, but that all being said, I, I'm oddly confident about this one, even though looking at how strong Bayern are right now, you really shouldn't uh, be all too confident because they could absolutely steamroll Dortmund, uh, as they have uh, shown many times in the past. But uh, I don't know. I think I think Bayern will bring their A game, but I also think that Dortmund are up for it right now. And uh, I'm also very intrigued how Dortmund um, will uh, fare playing the back four instead of the back five that they often have. I mean, uh, Emre Can is still out and he won't make this game most likely. So um, it's it's definitely going to be a back four as far as I'm concerned. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued what uh, Dortmund uh has to show attacking wise whether we'll see um Jane Central Masterclass whether Marco Royce shows up for this game, scores a couple, how Gio Reyna will uh hold off uh the likes of, of Kimmich and, and such because uh, he has shown it against Brugge too that uh, his physical uh shape has helped him to to not be wrestled off the ball quite easily. I think this this will really help against Bayern too so I'm expecting a couple moves from Reyna. You obviously have the workhorse that is Torgen Hazard, who made his first start uh, in, in Belgium since his injury. So, um, yeah, they're 
many things to be excited about, um, but really what Dortmund need is a good game from Julian Brandt. I mean, he is so topsy-turvy and uh, so streaky, but, uh, you know, he can really decide this game all by himself if he turns up. So this is this is where my big hope lies on. And otherwise, yeah, who, who knows? Maybe Dortmund will score a couple more set pieces. What do you think, Matthias, how and where Dortmund's goals will come from against this Bayern side? Do you think it's mostly going to be counterattacks and then maybe resulting set pieces? Or do you think it's going to be actually spells of dominance here and there where Dortmund then can convert that into scoring opportunities? Uh, I think Dortmund's only hope is counterattacks. I don't see Dortmund dominating Bayern. I don't think Favre is going to set out to try to dominate Bayern. So I think it's going to be a counterattack situation, whether it's a direct from a counterattack or, like you said, maybe from a set piece, uh, given how Dortmund have scored. However, the goals they have scored from set pieces were also, for the most part, pretty I mean, to say poorly defended, I think is an understatement. Um, I don't see Dortmund scoring from a set piece unless it's like a direct free kick. Um, so I'm going to go more heavily on counterattacks. Yeah, I think Dortmund are very well set up for that. So, um, you know, especially with Haaland. Um, in the Super Cup, I think he had a couple of moments against uh, Manuel Neuer one-on-one where he could have done better. I really hope that he improves in that <laughs> scenario because Dortmund will really uh, use it. And then obviously there's a big question, Matthias, how will Dortmund take revenge for that shitty VAR call where uh, they definitely should have had a penalty in the last Bundesliga game when uh, the ball clearly and obviously touched Jerome Boateng's moving arm or elbow? Well, I was in a good mood, Stefan, so thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I mean, we also can't forget there's not going to be a crowd present, so, you know, there's there's no home field advantage to be had for any side right now in the Bundesliga. Um, as far as Bayern Dusel when it comes to VAR, of course, that's a good possibility that that will crop up again. I hope it doesn't, but uh, a lifelong... <laughs> of watching the uh, Bundesliga is I kind of expect something like that will crop up. Um, but uh, I'm hopeful it won't come down to that. You know, every time I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, be it Aubameyang or someone in, in the past, one of those quick strikers will just arrive uh, quicker to a ball than Manuel Neuer and uh, that Neuer gets sent off finally. You know, that would, that would be a nice scenario where I could say, okay, things do even out, <laughs> uh, even though it's not the wrong call from a referee. Uh, but uh, Neuer being sent off would, would be kind of nice when he rushes out of goal and it's just this uh, half a step too late. That that would be really a cool thing to happen. So uh, this is something I'm I'm always rooting for. And I mean, these, these situations... Uh, where it's re where Neuer really makes a close call almost happen every Dortmund Bayern game. So why not why not make this the, this the game? I don't I don't know. Um, I I think uh, this is this is a good scenario to happen and to uh, uh, root and hope for. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm I still I still remember when uh, Jens Lehmann got sent off and uh, Jan uh, Jan Koller had to go and go. Um, I, I could I could hope for a similar scenario just the other way around. But uh, you're right, obviously, uh, 
things are a little different without any fans in the stands, which is obviously a great shame and um, maybe gives Bayern a little long-term advantage if fans are in the uh, reverse fixture. But uh, who knows what will happen uh, until then. Um, but yeah, I think Dortmund really need to uh, not lose this game just because uh, they are level on points with Bayern and uh, so often the 6-point or 12-point swing you get if you lose both games against Bayern in one season are pretty much insurmountable. So if you want to have realistic title hopes, you just cannot take an L. Um, I think that's that's pretty much a given. So, um, yeah, do you have any more points that you want to make? Because uh, even though this is this is a game where a lot of tactical stuff will happen, I don't think I can accurately preview anything because... Uh, it's so eclectic in the sense that uh, Bayern always treat Dortmund in a very special way in the sense that they usually don't play against them like they play against other opponents. Yeah, I agree. And I maintain my position that everything will hinge upon uh, Mats Hummels. Everything. Nothing else matters except <laughs> that one position in it. And that's why I will give you two different predictions depending on if he does or doesn't play. All right, go ahead. So um, if we say Mats Hummels will play, I think we will have a repeat of the uh, scoreline of the Super Cup minus the screw-up at the end. So I believe in a two-all. If Mats Hummels doesn't play, I think Bayern run away with it 4-0. Easy, easy evening victory for them. Oh, that's very interesting. But uh, I, I think uh, I concur on the part that when Dortmund are with Hummels, they'll probably lose 4 nothing or 4-1. to But I think with Hummels, they're actually going to uh, edge it out and win 3-2. to I think that's that's a good scoreline uh, and a realistic scoreline because this game can be full of goals. So uh, five goals with Dortmund having the better end is, is my Dortmund plus Hummels prediction. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, and I really hope that Dortmund can uh, create some excitement in the Bundesliga because even even if they will only be three points behind after this, if it's going to be a decisive blowout and Dortmund look like chumps, then uh, yeah, this is this is not going to be uh, good for the overall narrative of the uh, Bundesliga title race, etc. So just want to avoid that, Matthias. I think now that we've predicted this game, um, we can lean back and look forward to the outcome and then come back and talk about it. So in the meantime, uh, please tell our listeners how to follow you on Twitter. Well, you can find me at Matthias Uck, even though this week I'm a little quiet on Twitter just because, you know, it's election week and there's a lot of crazies out there, Stefan. Yeah, you don't, don't want to go to Twitter again. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. That's that's my favorite home now. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, um, you can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter and you can follow all of us on Twitter and Facebook at Yellow Wallpot. If you want to send us questions, do that via email. I think it's the best way. Yellowwallpod at gmail.com. If you want to subscribe to this show, use our YouTube channel. Just hit Yellow Wallpot into the thing and you'll find it on YouTube. Otherwise, the same procedure on iTunes and SoundCloud, etc. And if you want to find our written content, go to theyellowwall.net. And obviously, if you want to contribute 
financially sponsor an episode, etc. Go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall. That's it for now. Uh, as always, everyone, thank you for listening. We will be back after the Bayern game. Goodbye.